Welcome to We Lead Radio. Your hosts are June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Reidenauer. This show is a conversation that will focus on reimagining leadership to meet the reality of 21st century business and life in organizations. The conversation is inspired by timeless, natural wisdom for how to lead through uncertainty. Now, here are the hosts of We Lead Radio. Welcome. I'm Morgan Reidenauer, and this is We Lead Radio. As always, I'm back again with my amazing co-host, June Gunter. Hello. Beth Hijack. Good morning, good day, good afternoon. And Christine Erickson. Hi, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about decisiveness in uncertainty and how does one be decisive in uncertainty? To answer that question, we are going to be exploring the relationship between attention and direction. And one of the ways we're going to explore that relationship and talk about how to be decisive is through this idea of simple rules. So to get us started, June, will you tell our listeners a little bit more about simple rules and what they are? I will. So um, if you think about leading through uncertainty, it's, it's about being able to make decisions when you don't have all the facts. It's about being able to make decisions in the face of ambiguity, volatility, complexity, uncertainty. And because you don't have all the facts, because you don't have all the information, because there are forces outside of your control, you need ways to help guide decision-making. And I've been reading this book called The New Leadership Literacies by uh, Bob Johansson. And and he talks about one of the challenges for leaders in this day and time is to be able to be present and let go at the same time. That's, that's a very interesting challenge. And when you think about simple rules, what they really do is prepare people to make good decisions without you being present. That's what they're for. And it's a way to get beyond the messiness and have a way to give yourself direction when you don't know the right answer simply because there's not one. And I have a way of teaching simple rules that's worked for me for decades and people have a frame of reference around and so it just makes sense to them and you can go all the way back to when you were in the kindergarten or first grade and very quickly people teach you what to do if you're on fire. <laughs> and every time I do this in a crowd of 100 people or 10, everyone knows exactly what I'm saying. What do you do if you're on fire? And your, your inner five-year-old is already screaming, stop, drop, and roll. That's right. Okay. Why do we all remember that? Because it's simple. Now, and we don't want to be on fire. And you don't want to be on fire. Right. So there's motivation. Yes. But what I will tell you is I grew up in the 70s, and we all wore polyester. It was really stinking important for everybody to understand <laughs> what stop, drop, and roll meant. And, and it was also simple enough that anybody could remember it. And what that does is prepare you to make a decision when, when you're emotional or a decision when you're not sure what to do next. And will it prevent you from being burned? No. But will it 
give you a better chance at a better outcome? Yes. And the principle of simple rules stands the test of time. The simple rule might change, but the use of simple rules always works. And the, the kids in our schools are learning a new one now, and it's run, hide, fight. And that's what to do if you're in the presence of an active shooter. Now, what we also know is that it doesn't guarantee that you will be prevented from harm, but it, it gives you a better chance at it. And it gives you a way to not have to think about everything while it's happening. You, you have a way to make your decision-making faster. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, well, I just love, I think of simple rules as a call to the present. So exactly. it's like if you're carrying something and you set it down and, and came to, so your brain is doing that, your mind is doing that. It's setting down all those other thoughts and noise, and it's just coming to focus in on what's happening right now. That's exactly what it's for. And, and I have this simple example of yesterday, you know, this is simple rules are so much a part of my nature now that it was something as stupid as deciding whether or not to bring my dogs in yesterday afternoon when it got cloudy. Mm. Okay. So I'm looking up at the sky and I'm watching my, I'm noticing. And then I think, okay, Beth just went to the feed store. So it's up to me. Am I going to do this now? Or is it really going to rain? So I, I have to make a decision. I'm thinking, you know what? Harley's up under the barn. He hates to be rained on. That's usually a clear sign. I'm going to go get the dogs. And I was so happy with myself because as soon as I got them in the door, the bottom fell out. I was like, <laughs> I got that one right. Um, and, you know, there's no guarantee that it was going to rain, but that image of notice, decide, move, lead, that simple rule that we use with the diamond model drives my thinking all day long. And it does exactly what you said, Christine. It brings me into the moment and it guides my decision making. Beautiful. That's a great example because I think sometimes we think it has to be these major decisions that are also on a lot of our, our plates every day. But it's in those small small spaces. It's an efficiency of energy as well. You know, we're not dancing in the vacillating spaces longer than necessary. So I like the dog example. <laughs> 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 and I may or may not relate to it. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about, so I Googled stop, drop, and roll examples. Hmm. And, and I just started thinking about my own uh, use of them. And when I'm running in marathons or um, big ultra races, there could be anywhere from 100 to 25,000 people. Hmm. And I'm always noticing deciding and moving mm -hmm. based on what's happening. And it's not from a place of crisis. Mm -hmm. It's a place of being present and, and navigating. And everyone, for the most part, uh, I feel is doing the same thing. So it's, they're active. And what I was curious about is the spaces where I'm not being present. Uh, like driving a car, which I really should be probably <laughs> noticing. <laughs> And deciding and moving. That's retraction. why I prefer retraction. to drive. But you know, retraction, retraction. I think these, it's a universal thing that we'll get in the car and you going somewhere, you've been a million yeah. times and you pull in the parking lot to the feed store or your office. 
And you're like, how did I get here? And so it was like, okay, this is a, this is a different place for me to start. Where else can I use it? And why aren't I using it in certain places? Hmm. I wonder if there are times when our, our minds need those moments to relax and just breathe. And while driving maybe isn't the safest place, I think a lot of us are, <laughs> are guilty of using that time in the car to just kind of step away and go take care of ourselves. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe choosing new environments for self-care. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Not the vehicle. <laughs> Not the Audubon. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how you know, about you? Yeah, go ahead, Morgan. Yeah, you know, I I have a simple rule that was taught to me first by one of um, the horses that I work with named Casper. He is a beautiful gray Norwegian fjord, and mm. he is the prankster, the joker in our herd. He is there to lighten the mood. He's friends with everybody. He's a pretty easygoing guy. But when I go to work with Casper, I usually, you know, have an agenda. I have things that I want us to practice, things that I want to teach him, new skills, um, things that I want to get done. So when I step into the round pen to work with him and start that agenda, we would have a very difficult time together. There would be a lot of kicking up and squealing on his part. And it took me a while to understand that there is a very simple rule that if I didn't follow it, he didn't want to engage in our work together. And that rule was, as June later described it to me, connect before you direct, which really boiled down to I need to say hello first. <laughs> and if I didn't take that five seconds just to take a breath and greet Casper at his head, which is where he likes to say hello, and just have a moment to check in with him, just five seconds. If I didn't do that, then we had a really difficult time because I'd broken a very simple rule. And if I followed that rule, oh man, he's one of the most playful and easiest sensitive horses to work with. Mm. So to me, I really, I think about that a lot. What are these simple rules that, that really facilitate the work that we want to get done and how can the work be interrupted when we don't follow them? Right. Yeah, and I love that example, Morgan, because of the relationship piece. Mm -hmm. I think we all have these portals to ourselves, you know, that we, we want to have recognized or acknowledged. And when we're going at a fast pace or, you know, in that noise space ourselves and we're connecting with people in and out, off and on all day, how often are we taking the time to do that? You know, what is their, their Casper rule? Yeah. yeah. You know, I have to say... It's also important for us to, to understand that simple rules draw our attention to the relationship between attention and direction. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, yeah. And that when you notice something, you have to make a decision. And I, I think when you're learning to move through uncertainty, you have to remember that once you make a decision, it doesn't mean you never revisit it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you get to stop noticing. Mm. And when you really are in a, a volatile and complex situation, we've got to retrain our minds to say, okay, notice and decide and notice again. Mm -hmm. Because how you move forward, 
that decision needs to be influenced by what happened as a result of the decision you just made. I think and that's that requires us to be incredibly present. Mm-hmm. And that noticing, I'm sorry, Kristen, no, go ahead. Uh, the noticing is on all three levels. And I keep going back to when I think about when I'm racing, it's I'm paying attention to myself, I'm paying attention to those that are running with me, and I'm paying attention to what's shifting in our environment that I need to be present with. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say quickly, um, to dovetail on what June said, is that when I think so much of our stuckness around decision ma- making is because that last part of notice again, decide again, we feel like once we make a decision, then we're stuck in this container. We have to live with the consequences of that decision. So that fluidity and that movement, I think, is key. To that. Well said. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the simple rules we have to follow here on the show is we got to go to break. And that's what we're doing right now. Come back and listen and meet our guests. We will be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are tuned in to we lead radio tweet us at we lead radio to share your thoughts or questions or send an email to leadership confidence at teachinghorse.com again that's leadership confidence at teachinghorse.com now back to this week's show welcome back everybody uh, it is my honor and privilege to introduce you to our guest Dr. Elizabeth Oyakon. She is the Senior Advisor and Director for Quality and Population Health Solutions at Precision Value and Health, and she's also the Managing Principal for TGC Penrose. Now, I'm going to tell you who I think Elizabeth is. 
I think Elizabeth is probably one of the finest people I've ever met. She is a woman who has given decades of service of leadership in the field of healthcare. She is a sought after strategist and what Elizabeth does is help people understand what's happening and why it's important to them and help them make good decisions about what to do about it. She helps people rise above the noise and make really strategic choices. Now, what I'll also tell you about Elizabeth is that she is elegant and fierce and she is willing to get messy and dive into the complexity that would scare most people back into their shells. And because she's willing to do that, she can find clarity out of complexity and she's a master at it. And I can't wait for her to share some of the things that she's learned about her leadership transformation and uh, how to share leadership and how to use simple rules. So I'm gonna start and just say, Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, good morning. So Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about your transformation as a leader. And I, I'm going to ask you to start with one of the lessons that you've learned from working with horses. Um, so actually, one of the key lessons that um, I have learned uh, working with horses that really has helped me transform is really the role of attention, direction, energy, and congruency. That's one of the key rules that I've learned that has helped transform me. And let me tell you just a very brief story. There was once, June, and I think you remember this, when I was working, you were working with one of our groups. And I was just out there in the pastures with one of the horses. And unfortunately, I don't, even, I don't remember her name, but out there on the pastures, and all of a sudden, I felt this, like, nudge next to me. And I was like, huh? What is it? What is what? And I looked at the horse, and what she did was she wanted me to notice what she was noticing. She wanted me to pay attention to what she was paying attention to. And I think Beth earlier on said this very eloquently, is that as a leader, one of the things that I've learned from horses and that I've learned from the teaching horse team is really paying attention on three levels, is paying attention to the environment. What is going on? And I think as we are all aware, healthcare is changing so dramatically that if you actually blink, I always say if you blink, you're going to miss something. So what's going <laughs> on in the environment, what's going on with the teams, and really paying attention to the teams. And then, especially in this world of uncertainty in healthcare, what's going on individually. So that is one area, paying attention in that space was very, has been very important. The second component of that, which is the direction, and also this has also been mentioned, is that the direction right now in healthcare, when we take a look at it, is it's continuously shifting. It's uncertain, it's, it's ambiguous, and it's definitely very complex. And one of the things that I've really learned to do in that space now is something that we also learned from the horses, and that is having three positions. And what are those three positions? Is the lead mare, the sentinels, and the lead stallion. And why do I bring that up? 
when we need to move and when we need to uh, have direction, one of the things that it's like you can't identify exactly where you're going, but you need to have someone up front out there that is going to set the pace and make us move, execute. You're going to need to have those sentinels and those people on the team that you need to identify that are okay, that are okay with guardrails. They put guardrails on so that, yes, you have ability to be flexible within a certain limitation. But when you start moving to the guardrails, they need to like help us um, move people back in. And then you have the lead stallion. And what I say in that position that I have learned and that has helped transform me is that in times like this, what the teams are looking for is someone to say, I have your back. And that's what the lead stallion does. And again, I've realized that I need to be in all three roles at certain times, and so do team members. And then the next thing is energy. We can really have our energy spread all over in this, in this um, healthcare world. But one of the things that we've learned is that we need to focus our energy. We need to direct our energy. And I look at it as the difference between a laser and just regular light. If you want to cut through like a steel through something really challenging, you're not going to want diffuse light. What you want is a laser. You want to focus all that energy in certain directions that will help the team move and be able to focus. And most importantly is it has to be congruent. It has to align with the mission, the vision, the purpose of the organization. And so when it's not, that's when I see organizations having chaos. That's even when I have chaos, when what I'm trying to do isn't aligned. So really having that attention, having the direction, really focusing our energy and being congruent with the mission of the organization is one thing that I have learned from horses. I've learned from teaching horse and that has really helped me become a much better leader as I lead teams. You know, Elizabeth, I love what you're saying. Every decision we make really needs to become a conversation is it in alignment with your mission and vision? And is it in alignment with your values? If you can say yes to that, that's enough to give it an initial yes. And you will learn more as you go down the road if you keep those two filters in front of you that will help you course correct. And actually, one of the things, if you don't mind, that I, I actually want to add to that is um, the other thing that we've learned is that as you're doing that, it's going to be so critical not to give conflicting messages. And June, oh, I think yeah. you remember this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you remember this <laughs> incident where we had a team member who we needed to move and you know, people feel like when you're decisive in uncertainty, you know, that it, you're being mean. And it's like, no, 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 you're, you're helping people 
with clarity and it's like we need to move. We need to focus that energy. And I remember one of our team members, as she was trying to tell the horse to move, she was also patting it on its nose and it's like uh, playing with it. And so what did the horse do? Stood still because the horse didn't know what the direction was. She was saying with her mouth, move, but then she was playing with it and giving a conflicting message. And so you actually brought that to our attention. And so when she then turned forward, uh, paid attention to the direction we needed to move in and said to everyone, let's move. Guess what happened? Our wonderful little horse looked up and started moving and we were all amazed at just the difference in how just being a little bit more decisive made all the difference in getting people to move versus getting people stuck. That's a really great point. And and I know you've heard me say this, that at some point you have to trust your vision. And if you really trust your vision, it'll give you the clarity that will actually free people up to go with you. You bet. I love it. Well, Elizabeth, I know one of the things that uh, is true for you is you don't shy away from the mess. You're willing to dive deep into the complexity to understand reality. And you trust that what to do next will emerge. What? creates that in you? Because I do think it's rare. Oh, (laughs) thank you for asking that. I think probably one of the key things that just helps me focus and get into the mess is the result on the other end. Um, I think as we know in healthcare right now, so one of the key things going on that is probably the messiest that I have ever seen and to me probably the most exciting time in healthcare is we are now shifting from a volume-based healthcare system. So that's fee-for-service where we pay people regardless of the outcomes that patients have. We just pay them for the volume of work that's done. And now we're shifting people to pay for the value of work that's done, which is we are going to start paying people for the outcomes that they deliver as opposed to just the volume that they they do. And one of the things that just gets me and why I feel that that's so exciting is because of the patient. It's comes down to the people that we're taking care of. And it's always boils down in my mind to what's the mission? What are we there for? And on the other side, I always just have that vision of what's on the other side, how we're going to make things better, how healthcare is going to be better. And what it means is it means diving into the mud You know, an example of this, and this is a movie that I think many people who have seen it can relate to, and that um, we had a movie, uh, and it was with, uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm sorry, just like, I had it and then it disappeared. 
Well, sure, Elizabeth, you, we will pick back up with your movie when we come back from break. That'll give you a chance to remember the one you want to tell us about. How about that? Shawshank Redemption, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Got it back. Excellent. We'll be back from break shortly, and we'll start thinking through how do you use simple rules to help you emerge from the mud. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, Back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. We were just leaving off, and Elizabeth was going to share with us a movie that speaks to simple rules. Miss Elizabeth, the movie. Um, thank, yes. Thank you very much. And actually, um, the movie Shawshank Redemption, what it speaks to is what allows us to stay focused, get into the mud in order to mm. get to the other end. And I think if you all remember the movie and remember Andy being in the prison for something he didn't do. Right. And one of the things that really got him through, um, through having to get into the poop and, the, and all the stuff he had to go through to get to his um, escape to the mm -hmm. other side, because he had that vision on the other side. So when right. June asked me, 
what just allows me to move forward and to focus, it is like you go have to go through poop and mud and all those crappy <laughs> things because at the end of the day, there is a vision of a better tomorrow. And mm. that allows us to do that. The second thing I would say is I have over the years just mastered how to simplify complexity. And mm. I simplify complexity by using simple rules. And that has gotten me also through a number of things, which I can share some with you when you would like me to. Oh, I love that. And I think uh, that knowing that something bigger and better is on the other end inspires us all. So I would love to hear from you, Elizabeth, how simple rules have helped you inspire and move people that you are leading and lead. Okay. So I have a couple of examples for you. So the first one is, um, I'll give you the brief situation. So what we had is that um, as as, um, the organization was struggling with finances, one of the things that we had to do was we had to save $10 million. And think about telling a team, you have to save $10 million. What does that do? That just like can paralyze people. And so one of the things that we did is that we got the entire team together and we just started brainstorming. And think about it. There was probably like 200 ideas. Well, no one is ever going to be able to remember that. But one of the things that began to emerge for me was three buckets that Mm -hmm. we could put all these ideas under. And that three bucket idea became the V3 idea. And what's a V3? One of the, the things that we noticed that was really causing us to lose money was that there was a lot of variation in how we did things. And so because of that variation, we were spending tons of money getting different equipment because everybody wanted to do things differently. So we standardized. The second was venue. Uh, We started to realize that um, we had procedures, surgical procedures that were being done in a hospital that cost three times as much as being able to do the exact same surgical procedures in the outpatient setting. That was the second V. The third V was vendors. We realized that we had contracts, literally, we had contracts um, on equipment that no longer even existed. So by taking all these ideas and putting it under the V3 components, the variation, the venue, and the vendors, and having teams that really dove into those areas, we actually saved more than that $10 million at the end of the year. And what it did is it focused everybody to realize, is my idea going to be able to fit in one of those three areas? And if it isn't, we put it in a parking lot. If it was, we then moved forward and we prioritized. So that was one example of really taking complexity and simplifying it. That's amazing. I'm just blown away by that. That's incredible. Yes. And you were going to say you had another example? So I I had a second example. And this had to do with our clinical pharmacist. 
So we have clinical pharmacists who were working on a, multi- on a number of disease states. And they had so many different stakeholders that wanted them to do different things for patients. And again, it froze the pharmacists because they're like, this person wants me to do this. This stakeholder wants me to do that. And it's like, what do we do? And one of the things that um, I was able to come up with was pharmacists, first and foremost, what is your purpose? What, why do you exist in your role as a pharmacist? And what do you do better than anybody else in the world? That if you did that consistently, continuously, all the time, it will improve patient outcomes, it will improve the health of the population, and it will reduce overall healthcare costs. What are those things? Unfortunately, they fit into an acronym, which became medication areas. Areas spelled A-R-E-A-S. And that was pharmacists, what you do better than anyone else in the world, any other healthcare professional is, you know how to do medication adherence and help patients stay on their medication so that they don't uh, progress into uh, worse conditions and into more complexity. So adherence. You better than anyone else can do reconciliation, which is reconciling a patient's list to make sure that they're not duplicate medications that may lead to readmissions, which are some of the most costly things that you can do. You can engage patients and educate patients around their medications. You can help them with affordability, A, affordability, and help them be able to afford their medications so that they can take it. And very importantly, you can help them with safety, using their medications safely. And so when we gave them that acronym, Medication Areas, it helps them focus. It helped them pay attention to what they were doing. It gave them direction in which to go. It helped them really help with their energy, focusing their energy. And very importantly, it was very congruent with what it was that they were, which were pharmacists. Uh, You know, uh, Elizabeth, I'm sitting back and I'm listening to both your examples and I am just, um, I'm blown away. I mean, I, uh, I told a, you she was brilliant. I know. Well, you know I love her. And um, <laughs> the fluidity too, the at way. which simple rules can be applied within an organization. You took us from a very big picture to a very specific, the pharmacy, and then to the patient. And you were totally the embodiment of her dynamics in that and being a wonderful leader and that those examples intertwined paying attention to self, paying attention to other, and paying attention to your environment. And the blending of the simple rule within how horses lead, it's just amazing. You're hired. <laughs> when do you want to start? <laughs> Tomorrow. Okay, I'll get you order your shirt already. I am, I am already a member of your team. So that is so true. Absolutely, I just selfishly want to spend more time with you. That's it. (laughs) Um, you know, there's one, there's one more thing, Elizabeth. That because when I first met you, um, I had the honor of 
witnessing through a lens one of your first encounters with one of my horses, Rocky. Do you remember? I remember. And um, what? And I went back and looked at that picture, but it's always in the forefront of my mind as a moment for me that was significant. And what I saw was someone who was curious and kind and respectful and authentic and had such uh, humility. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's a piece to leading around simple rules about those qualities. And I didn't know if you wanted to speak to your first moment with Rocky, but I think that <laughs> as we go forward um, in complexity, I would think those two things I go together. Love to. I would love to speak um, about... So, um, and I think both June and um, Beth, you remember this. Uh, we went out um, to meet with the horses. And what did I wear? I don't know if you remember. Oh, I'll never forget it. You oh. had on a St. John's I wore, net and four-inch heels. I wore a St. John's outfit with heels. <laughs> mm. So, as you can see, right away, <laughs> inappropriate for the situation. Um, I also (laughs) you made it work um, oh we made it work I'm telling you we can make anything work in situations but the other thing was that um, initially it was scary Um, Mm. I had never been around a horse and then oh my gosh I think for anyone that has gone up to a horse for the first time and just look at the hind legs it's like oh my gosh look at the muscles um, in the hind legs And one of the things that you taught us to do was in that situation was to become calm, to respect the horse in front of you, to understand what the horse, you know, the environment, to really just take a look and see where is the horse looking? What is the horse doing? And I will tell you, it was a very humbling experience just being up front with Rocky. Um, and I will tell you, she just, uh, it was, I, I mean, I, I still remember, I can, I still remember when you finally said that I needed to just pet the, the, uh, the nose and then I did that. And then, you know, she just like, bowed down. And I just think the interaction that we had, and I, I think it goes back to something, I think Beth, you mentioned this earlier, or I, I think somebody mentioned this earlier about connecting before directing. Right. By connecting, it was so critical. When we connected, we were able to then have a great time. But I'll tell you, before that, it was like looking, staring each other in the face. And it's like, I'm not sure I want to touch you. You know, <laughs> all of that. Uh, we got over all of that. And then, um, but I left that whole experience. I was so elated. I remember, June, you, I think you saw me. I was on cloud nine because it's like I went into a situation that I was utterly terrified of, dressed inappropriately for and like what am I doing here to we connected I was humbled 
we made a difference. We aligned, we engaged, we moved. And I came away just like on cloud nine. And it was a wonderful experience. And I think that has translated into how you are now approaching people you're leading. And what I've watched in you, in your own transformation, is you've really come to see connection as an investment that yields tremendous returns. And, and I'd love to hear you say a little bit about that. Oh, thank you. So by nature, I am an introvert. And so as an introvert, um, and especially when you look at my Myers-Briggs, I'm more of an independent, let's get moving, let's do the work, that's the end goal. And I still have that. However, what I've realized, especially over the last several years, is connecting with people first and foremost, understanding them aligning and finding out what it is that we have in common versus what we have that's different. What we have in common is really critical. Mm. Once we do that, once we've connected, we understand what we have in common. We then are able to share the end goal. The other thing also that I would say is such an investment now is I've also come to the realization that not everybody has to be like me, um, driven, driven, driven. Is that everybody has? <laughs> that is big okay, for you, you, dear. <laughs> that is huge, you know, because I can drive. I mean, I can drive processes and I can execute as quickly. I see the big picture, you know, get down to the small. But everybody has different components that they bring to the table. And think about it as a house with different rooms. If all the rooms in the house were the kitchen, then where would you sleep? If all the rooms was the living room, where will you cook? So everybody brings something different, and it is that difference. So understanding your similarities first, and then appreciating the differences that people have is what builds the foundation of, I always say, of, multi, of multi-million dollar homes. So that now is something that I believe in, is that connection, that engagement. Um, paying attention is so critical to um, things that are changing along the way, especially within the teams. And before, it was like, okay, what's going on in the environment? But it's the environment, it is what's going on with each other and always what's going on with oneself. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for all your beautiful stories and and wisdom and actual applied examples. Um, what a beautiful leadership story, truly. I'd, li- I'd love to invite you, if you have any parting comments you'd like to leave our listeners with um, just to wrap up this segment and then we're going to discuss some things a little further. Okay. So some things that I just, you know, I would say another a framework that has really helped me lead teams now just more effectively would be mm-hmm. four things. I would say the first is for people to always remain grounded, to remain focused, 
to remain purposeful. What is the purpose of why you're going to go into this mess and come out on the other end? Mm. Um, the next is really focusing on the attention, direction, energy, and congruence. And as mm-hmm. you're doing that, please just be careful not to give mixed messages. I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. Whenever possible, simplify complexity for people. That is what will motivate and resonate people. And then very importantly, something that I've seen the difference between organizations that are successful and those that are not is having the right people with the right positions, the lead mayor, the sentinels, the lead stallion positions, having people, and of course those positions rotate all the, um, people rotate in those positions all the time, but have people that have those positions and critically move. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I think this has been a a mini course on applied leadership. (laughs) I told you (laughs) (laughs) so much for the clarity and wisdom that you brought to this conversation, Elizabeth. Um, I'm going to turn to my co-host now. Thank you. Um, To, reflect on what Elizabeth brought to us today and what you're thinking about that. I think for me, I I identify with a lot of things Elizabeth said that that A to Z clarity quickly and how do you how do you unpack that for people and recognize where people come in when and in what role to best support their strengths and their inclusion and to create that alignment. Um, that's definitely was a challenge for me in several of my executive jobs. I was a learning for sure. Um, and I think holding on to the possibility of a different, of your vision and a different outcome that is so important. It's so easy to get lost in that mud that we were talking about. And then bringing that mutuality of respect. I think we definitely teach and learn that with the horses, which is such a beautiful thing. Um, they, they require it. They require your attention. They want to know that you're paying attention to yourself and to the environment and to that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thank you for, again for those examples. What stood out for the rest of you? You know, one of the things that I consistently am in awe of with Elizabeth is as impeccably dressed as she is, she does not mind getting dirty and I think there are a lot of people who avoid the mess because of how uncomfortable it makes people Mm. and I think what Elizabeth is describing is that um, if you're unwilling to be uncomfortable you will never emerge stronger from the situation you're in and, and we have to let go of this belief that um, discomfort is something to be avoided. It's actually a sign that you're on the right track. Yeah, I think that the idea, the perception that the move through is more painful than the stuckness or the lack mm-hmm. of clarity is, is a really tough place to navigate. I think it's, it's our idea of it. And once we start moving, it actually frees up that that stuckness. Yeah. When I think about everything that we shared and learned today, I, I really think about the fluidity that happens with simple rules mm-hmm. and the opportunity for us to share leadership within 
another context of simple rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we struggle as human beings because we get stuck in either a status quo or our privilege. And, um, and when I look at nature, everything from ant colonies to lightning bugs to herds of horses, they follow simple rules, right? And they have struggled just like anything else and uncertainty and it doesn't have to be unnecessary energy sucking chaos creating struggle and that it gives me hope and reminds me it's like okay what are more simple rules and how can we share in these simple rules and continue to learn from the horses and other beings in nature and keep bringing that back to us that essential um learning you know and i um when i think about the fundamental role of leaders who are moving in a vuca world or moving through complexity you have to embrace your role as a sense maker mm. of being help being able to help people make sense of the reality that they're staring at that is too crazy to even want to look at and when you're willing to look, you can find your way through, but you have to be willing to look at it first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Man, I, I have just learned so much from this conversation. And I think one of the things that most stood out to me is simple rules are what can move us and our teams from a state of paralysis to a state of forward movement. And that, that's so important, that freeze response that can creep up on us in times of uncertainty, in times of fear or panic. How do we get out of that? And these simple rules will help us move. Will help us move. Right. I also just, I mean, shout out, if, if every room is a living room, where will we cook? Right. I have that's to tell amazing. you, I'm going through my head, like, am I, am I a kitchen? Am I oh. a bathroom? I wish we had more time. I really do. I'd love to continue this conversation. Good news, listeners. We can continue this conversation with you. And I have a very special promotion this week to offer you. The first five people to tweet us before the next show will receive a free copy of June's new book. So tweet away. And... <sighs> That tweet is We Lead Radio. So find us on Twitter at We Lead Radio. You can also email us, stay in conversation. We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much to Elizabeth for joining us and giving us so much of your wisdom. We will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Elizabeth. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to We Lead Radio. Be sure to join your hosts, June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Reidenauer next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, which is 10 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. And we'll see you on this same path next week.